Hey everyone, hey, welcome back to yet another episode of Alpha Metallica. This is your host, Tom Quee here. You know the deal by now. It's myself and a fellow Metallica obsessive from around the world going through the back catalogue. Today you join us on Sweet Amber. This is episode 137, so we are closing in on the end. And I have mentioned in previous episodes that all the guest slots are taken. However, two have opened up. So anyone that has never been on the show before, get in touch with me, metallicapod at gmail.com. And these are songs that I want to record fairly soon as well at the time this episode dropping so we have Suicide and Redemption off Death Magnetic and The Thing That Should Not Be The Thing That Should Not Be and Suicide and Redemption are both open so drop me a line at metallicapod.gmail.com and uh, let me know if you want to come on and discuss that we'll arrange a time and we'll get to it we'll get to recording get you on the show at Metallicapod is there on the Twitter Patreon patreon.com forward slash alphatallica all the episodes go on there first as an RSS feed, so you basically get them downloaded straight to your phone. I'm doing a hell of a lot of episodes, so at any one time, there'll probably be at least the next week, the next two or three Alphatallicas, maybe some extra top tens, etc. on there as well. So yeah, if you enjoy the show, you want to give back, that's the best way to do it. iTunes as well, uh, you can leave us a review on iTunes, help us push up that algorithm, help us solidify that second spot behind Metal at your podcast, uh, it would be greatly appreciated. What else do we have? YouTube is there. Um, find us on all the various platforms as well, Spotify, etc. But, um, you know, as I always say as well, we're getting to the point now where we're getting lots of return guests. One of our favourite things is having return guests, people I've had great discussions with before. I've got Jason here. We originally discussed Four Horsemen today. We're doing Sweet Amber. Uh, Jason, how's it going? Oh, it's going good, Tom. Thanks for having me back. Of course. And, uh, you know, very different territories here from, uh, you know, the classic arena of Kill 'em All, deep into Say Anger. Like, Say Anger for you as a record, has it grown on you? I mean, it's 16 years old at this point. Like, you know, is this something you, you, you now kind of, you know, appreciate or is it something you just can't tolerate? So when it first came out, I was... Um... I, I don't want to say I was like peaking as a Metallica fan because I don't feel like I've down slid yeah. since then, but I kind of felt like, you know, obligated to force feed myself the material back then, <laughs> even if it wasn't my favorite at the time, you know, I felt like, like a, like an obligation to kind of defend them, you know, uh, especially, you know, I got a lot of practice with that through the load and the reload era oh, because yeah. it was so different. And then, you know, this came along and, uh, it's one of those those albums that you know I listen to it now and it speaks to me in a different way. You know, now that I'm older, um, you know, now that I'm a father, you know, things kind of they they hit me in a different manner than they would have when I first listened to this back in you know 2004 or whatnot. Um, you know, songs like uh, the Unnamed Feeling is probably one of my favorites. Uh, you know, in their whole catalog, right. it, for 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 no particular reason, but you know, lyrically, it just kind of really talks to me. So. Mm -hmm. And just before we get to Sweet Amber, I just want to pull the curtain on Alpha Talica headquarters here. So prior to us recording this episode, I was running a bit late with my job and uh, I just reached out to you and let you know. And I, I kept pushing it back like half an hour, half an hour. And you were really gracious about it. But, you know, you sent a great email. I'm a big fan of, of wordplay and, and, and puns and sort of playing with meanings in that sort of way. And we all do our sort of, you know, Metallica double entendres and stuff like that. Uh, but uh, if you don't mind, if you just let me you know, indulge myself here, I'll just read your email quickly. You said that it's uh, it's sad but true that you've reached the end of the line here. Your constant shifts and confusion are fraying my ends of sanity and making me a bit frantic. Shall I fight fire with fire and propose my own time? After all, this is my world now. Or should I be better than you, meet you on your own terms and be the hero of the day? Mama said to always turn the page 
Carpe diem baby, she used to say. So I dub thee forgiven, pour some whiskey from the jar and let's do this thing. I warn you now, shoot me again another new time and I'll become some kind of monster, the kind with no remorse. I, I, <laughs> that really like floored me, man. That, that was a work of art. Yeah, you know, so me and my, my buddy used to do that back and forth, and we'd have whole oh, yeah. conversations in song titles. They didn't have to be Metallica specifically, mm-hmm. but, you know, as uh, as this illustrious podcast is coming to an end, I figured I'd drop some wordplay and uh, drop a little battle rap on you. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, deeply, deeply appreciate that. So, uh, so yeah, Sweet Amber, let's get into the song. I mean, one of the shorter songs on the record, uh, one of the five-minuters rather than the seven- or eight-minute sprawling ones, and mm-hmm. we open with this blissed out moonshine slide riff. You know, there's the low thrum of the open sea underneath. It's pleasingly southern. It's calm, yet ominous. And it's quite mm-hmm. rare as well for St. Anger as an album entirely where this is a motif that we don't hear again. It doesn't get reused in the song. It's just the intro and that's it. It doesn't return for the bridge or whatever. What would what you make of this piece that opens the track? Uh, to me, uh, this is very, very similar to the opening of Some Kind of Monster, where mm-hmm. you have this really pulled back, uh, treble down, um, kind of burbling oh, yeah. guitar line. And what you hear there is, so the first time I ever played live with like a group of people, we were trying to record just like on a, you know, on a little eight track deal. Mm-hmm. And uh, as the bass guy's playing his stuff, I hear the, um, I don't even know what you call them, but the little metal fibers on the bottom of the snare drum kind of rattling against the snare drum and then you know so we learn like okay when we're recording that part we got to flip that lever so that those things drop down and you hear that on both some kind of monster and on this and it's one of those those aspects about this whole album where it's like you know what like warts and all you're getting you're getting like a hundred percent we're not polishing this we're not doctoring this we're not editing this and where we are editing it we're gonna be sloppy you know like Mm -hmm. you're just you're gonna get what is in us right now um and that just like it just kind of sets the tone where it's it's not like a you know traditional epic one minute long metallica intro but it's just like a little like it's like a lullaby before we're gonna cruise into this alcoholic nightmare yeah it is it's kind of kind of drugged out kind kind of blissed out it's just very foreboding and hypnotic and like some kind of monster the song as you say it's a teaser of the main riff the riff then grows legs you know we get a few chugs and it pulls into this real pouncing uh, monstrous piece personally you know say what you want about say anger as a record sonically i love the sound of the guitar uh, on this song mm-hmm. on the whole album that knotted knolled densely packed tone there's something really satisfying and, and menacing about it yeah, it's kind of fuzzy for what they would normally do distortion-wise, uh-huh. which you know kind of muddies it up a little bit. And it, it, uh, this song also, as well as some kind of monster, benefit in that way from the detuning. You know, so the strings are kind of flopping around yeah. a little bit, and it's just a. Uh, uh, I believe you would call it a slog. You know, that's kind of like <laughs> right. we're like we're just going to go trudging through the mud. You know, kind of. And compositionally, as you know, I was kind of refreshing myself on this song and, and playing along with it this afternoon. It's there's a lot of, of some kind of monster DNA in this song where I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, like the two are kind of growing at the same time. And then they they split off because, you know, some kind of monster became this eight minute manifesto and 
here's what's left over. But the leftovers in this case are still really good. Mm. And, you know, it's not an accusation that's normally volleyed at Metallica. It's more for bands, say, like, I don't know, Joy Division. People people talk about headphone albums, you know, hearing the intricacies mm-hmm. of tracks. And it was only preparing for this episode and listening to this song over and over again on, on you know, kind of a fairly decent pair of headphones that I noticed that there are three guitars in the intro. So there's the main riff, there's the kicking into the main riff, and then there's the classic one-two punch where Kirk is sort of doing the boom-boom and kind of fleshing mm-hmm. it out. And then I don't know if you heard this. I don't know if a lot of people heard this. I certainly hadn't heard this until a few days ago. There's a third guitar that's really submerged and sunken in the mix. So just kind of thundering away on an open note. It's a really really odd decision there but it works in the overall pantheon of the track yeah you you hear that quite a bit in metallica stuff where though there's levels and levels and levels of stuff and some of it's you know only you know maybe like uh, a couple decibels loud but it's there and, it, and it's, it's just part of like the wall of sound that they mm-hmm. build and uh it, it might have been something that was uh you know more prominent in the mix early on and then they said you know maybe that's taken away a little bit from from the the dreaminess of this so let's turn it down but let's not get rid of it yeah and uh yeah there's a lot of really cool stuff like uh you know sad but true it has the the sort of strings in the background that kind of come in and Mm -hmm. go out and and uh you know lots of different stuff yeah Um, Yeah. house of jack built you kind of yeah that's a great going on throughout there and yeah you know little little things like that yeah not so much on four horsemen that we covered before I said before, you know. Oh, the... no, no. Four Horsemen is, is two guitars, oh, yeah. full volume, bass, full volume, uh-huh. drums, full volume. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's uh, but but they do get a little bit melodic in that middle section. There's yeah. I think they they're throwing in a third guitar there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's sort of the sort of skinned section. And you know, people people go back and check out the Four Horsemen episode. But um, yeah, you know, the song sort of you know establishes itself in this first minute or so, and the drumming the drumming is manic. Like like Lars is going crazy here. Yeah, yeah, with a bum, bum, bum. Mm. You know, it's a, uh, it's uh When I watched the um, the uh, Saint Anger rehearsals yeah. when they when they first brought in Rob and he's learning these songs and stuff, the snare drum there, it's it's a little different. It doesn't sound that you know coffee can that we get on the <laughs> album. It's a bit more traditional. Um, and hearing them both, you know, it's like I actually w- when a Saint Anger song comes on, I've grown to prefer the the coffee can because it just like goes with that time period, yeah. and that's what this is. It's 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 a time capsule of who they were at, at that time, you know, and I, I think a lot of people expect artists to just release, you know, new versions of the same thing over and over and over. And that's something Metallica has never done from the very start. You know, mm-hmm. it's never been the same. It's always a, a dramatic leap. Uh, some people say forward, some people say back, but they always move, which is which is good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there is always that progression. You're so right. And we get into the verse then, um, you know, the verse melody effectively aping the riff. Watch your bag, see your wild stem. I don't know. I, I, I do like this song overall. I'm not too big fan of the verses, though. James sounds slightly whiny here. And it's got that classic St. Anger lyrical where it's kind of mantra-based. There isn't really a narrative. There's just kind of these quatrains, these rails that he's writing on, you know? Yeah, very... Uh, it's it's uh, a bit more poetic, I think, than, mm-hmm. than, than his lyrics normally would be. Like, it's... Like if you watch, um, you know, a lot of the the songwriting process for Hetfield, the the lyrics always come post vocal melody. Yeah. You know, he he has kind of the na 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 na. You know, yeah. and we've all heard that <laughs> yeah. kind of stuff. And then the words come later. This one almost seems like like this was something that was written prior to that, and then sort of shoehorned into this song. And um, I I particularly like the lyrics 
of the song, mm-hmm. but I'm with you on the delivery. It's kind of, you know, the bad you know, I just it's it's yeah. too much of the same stuff and guitar-wise, they're they're doing very much a uh like a memory remains kind of thing where it's uh, you know, James is the low side of the octave, Kirk is the high side mm-hmm. of the octave and we're playing the same thing. So you know, a little little diversity there probably would have benefited the song. Mm-hmm. But there is some diversity in some of the uh, sonic ideas. So um, mm-hmm. when we get into the the sort of pre-bridge, the, you know, ooh, you know, hold my hand sort of idea, there's this, I don't quite know how to describe it, and I wonder how they achieve this sound. And when I watch them do the that kind of tie-in DVD where they play it live, um, mm-hmm. it's kind of in the bridge, it kind of that oscillating, like, wow, wow, like that kind of almost sounds like the Twilight Zone sort of tone there. You know what I'm getting at in the pre-bridge? Yeah, so I think what Kurt's using there is a uh, like a pitch shifter mm-hmm. pedal. Um, when I watch the when I watch the uh, performance in the studio, um, you know, I kept you know waiting for it. You know, because I was like, you know, how sometimes people play stuff in studio, right? And then it's like either too complicated or oh, they yeah. don't bring the gear and they don't play it live. So I was like, you know, wondering if that part was like a studio trick or uh four horsemen is a great example with that (laughs) you know that part they never do that live but um what what he's doing there is uh he's got a pitch shifter so it's going Mm -hmm. you know like it's it's jumping up by an octave really quick or maybe even two octaves and uh that's something that you you really don't get a lot out of out of kirk i mean the only other time i can recall like a pitch shifter is uh like the solo for uh, Devil's Dance, maybe you know yeah. that one's got that going on, but uh, yeah, kind of like a like an unused bag of of trick, you know, kind of pull it out for emergencies to spice that up a little bit, and I feel like it adds a nice little tension there me too me too definitely puts a nice flavor on top of things that you don't really hear on on say anger much and um you know the way the way the song sort of resolves from that into the heavier riff using what i get to what what i want like i mean i will say now jason for the most part i think this song is a success and i think even the detractors of say anger will agree that you know it's it's an enjoyable romp yeah, I think so. I mean, it's 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 about as, as straightforward of a rock song as you're going to get on yeah. that album um, versus, you know, uh, like My World is is pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's uh, it, it does its thing and it does it quickly and it does it well. Um, you know, this song is kind of in that same vein versus like Invisible Kid, which is just this sprawling, you sure. know, multiple armed beast. Uh, Saint Anger, obviously, you know, huge. Yeah. Um, Frantic, I think, is a is a good straightforward rock song. Yeah. With uh, could have benefited from trimming that back half a little, I think. But in general, yeah, you're like it, it's five minutes. It doesn't overstay its welcome, and the the riff toward the back end is one of my favorites off this whole album. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Completely agree. But just before we get to that, we have the chorus, which again mm-hmm. I think is a bit of a triumph because it feels like Hetfield and the riff are kind of doing battle. Like the the riff, the guitar just has this giant gargantuan strut, this real stomp to it as Hetfield is barking, "How sweet are you?" Like yeah, just, there's yeah. lots of space, there's lots of energy, there's lots of character. Like this is really what you like. Okay, I think I I respect Sanger for a lot of different ways, but I think yeah, just as a of rock song from say anger you, you don't get better from this it's anthemic but still different and progressive and it just works yeah there's 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 a certain swag to this whole album mm-hmm. uh, that you started to get on load oh, yeah. you know a little bit of that bluesy swag and it really kind of shines through here especially when you're doing those bump 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 
you know, there's like he's like leaning in to mm-hmm. every one of those and just dragging the pick, you know, across all these muted strings. And it's just like, man, I don't give a F, you know, like I'm playing this and I'm feeling it. And if you like it, good. If you don't, F off. <laughs> yeah, completely. It's just like it's it's pure like you know, this is this is pure Hetfield. This is not Papa Het here. This no, is, no, no, no. This is this is angry James. <laughs> and one of the things, one of the head scratching moments in this song. So you know, we have a lot of things like I'm saying uh, in in the main riff, we have that weird third guitar, which again, listeners, go and check that out because it just I'm not really heard. It's almost death metally. It's and it's barely there. But once you know you listen to it, we have that Twilight Zone pitch shifter, and then we also have when he goes, "How sweet are you?" and then go. We get like really heavy wind on the mic, don't we? Mm. Like, yeah, that, yes. The stuff stuff that you normally try to avoid. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, leave it. Just leave it in there, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's just... And that obviously wasn't a mistake, but it kind of makes it sound a little amateur, amateurish for me. It has grown on me. I remember it did, was mm-hmm. a bit of a thorn in my side when I first listened to the record. Like I was a bit like, "Whoa, that's a bit too garagey." You know, put a pop shield on that fucking microphone, pop ahead. Yeah, but, but yeah, again, they're leaning into it, and the the dramaturgy of the song, the themes of the song, it just reinforces it, doesn't it? I, I don't think it's a bad choice overall. No, no, I I think it's. It, it all fits, you know, and, and to me, this the, lyrically, the song is obviously about addiction and alcoholism. Um, I mean, I say obviously, but that's what it speaks to, to me. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and uh, there's with that comes a certain degree of of anger and recklessness. And I think you get that in this song. And it's uh, it's it's welcome change, you know, for Metallica, for me to play. I don't generally play a whole lot of St. Anger um, because you know, I find some of it a bit, uh, you know, not quite as exciting to play as some of the yeah, more definitely. intricate stuff. But uh, but this song, you know, if if there were, you know, people in front of me, I could, I could really stomp this one out. Which was, I was really surprised that that this song's only been played that one time. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like this this could have easily gone in that rotating say Angus life. They wanted to add a third option, like for sure. Yeah, yeah. I could definitely see that in here and and. Uh, you know, it's it, maybe uh, maybe in 2014 we'll get uh, front or not 2024. <laughs> we'll get we'll get uh, a front to back Saint Anger. Oh, album. I would love that. I would. Well, I, I, hopefully, though, hopefully they don't play it backward because if they play all within my hands first, I feel like James's voice is probably going to be done. Yeah, yeah. Before yeah. the concert starts, <laughs> yeah. you don't want to be screaming "kill, kill, kill" at the top. No, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you, want, no. you want the hoarse voice, man. I mean, I mean, I hope they do that. You know, it's not my cup of tea, but I really hope for all the fans out there, they do like a load reload tour. I just think that would be a giant success. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, there's there's, uh, you know, so I was anxiously awaiting the release of the Slither episode because I feel like we've been building to that for several (laughs) years now. Um, You you uh, you held you held yourself professionally. I appreciated it. (laughs) But there's there's a lot of good stuff on those albums. So there's some filler stuff, too. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, born into attitude, you know, sleep into, right. uh, you know, yeah. that that's not really my thing. But mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of good stuff on on both of those albums. And I would definitely be um, anxious to see them live, even if it was like a, a one off kind of S&M style show where they just pick one city and, hey, this is what we're doing tonight. Yeah. Uh, if, if that's your thing, then come on out. I yeah, think yeah. that'd be cool. I don't, 
Yeah, that would be that would be very, very cool. I mean, Metallica are a band that, you know, they just have their set list and that's kind of what they do. They have a few rotating songs. They're not like a Pearl Jam, for example, that they'll play a city and they'll just oh, we'll just play our entire third album. Like, you know, from track three to track thirteen or whatever. And but but yeah, they aren't like that. But if they were to kind of enshrine it, if they were to do a good garage in thing and then build up to the the St. Anger shows, because it's just you know, it's kind of one of those like albums that no one really got at the time, I think. And and, and time yeah. has, has been the great bomb. I, I think you have to definitely let people know that that's what they're getting into. Because if you go to a, a, a Metallica show and there's no puppets, then it's yeah. like some, some people are going to be upset. But I, there's definitely an audience there for it. You know, I was uh, I was kind of in my late teens when when uh, Load and Reload started, you know, coming out. And, uh, you know, it was a real impressionable time for me. So those albums have a have a, you know, a special spot mm-hmm. and they always will. Um do I do I skip where the wild things are though? Yeah, most of the time. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, e- even even though it's got that Jason credit, so like yeah, it, it's yeah. out of respect, I, I, you sort of wanna. The beginning's cool, and you could tell the beginnings where Jason, you know, was was influential there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as a fan of the children's book as well, sometimes I'll just linger on it. But 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. It, it it it's a bland piece of crap for the most part. Which which this song isn't, and this song has that crazy riff that you mentioned before. Which is definitely one of the best riffs, maybe even the best riff on Say Anger, because so much of Say Anger, because it's drop C, it's so boggy mm-hmm. and murky, and it doesn't allow Hetfield to do what he does best, to have like, you know, some tight riffage. But this, yeah. you know, the way this kind of picks and builds, the dissonance bubbling on the top, the way it coagulates together, like it's it's a real breathless experience. He sings over it as well towards the end. It's a superb bit of writing. Yeah, I would agree with you. I mean, this this riff really kind of took me by surprise. And there's a few others on the album that are like they feel, uh, for lack of a better term, like they feel like like not Metallica riffs. There's mm-hmm. certain songs that always kind of sit with me like that. And um, like the first riff for No Remorse, that da 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 that just doesn't really feel like a Metallica riff to me. And yeah, yeah, and and uh, so like the the first part of the verse for invisible kid but you know that one those are i think some of these riffs came about because the tuning was such a different sonic vibe for what you know and that people always say you know tuning differently or using different gear makes you play differently and that's that's 100 percent true and i think this riff in particular you know this riff is uh it has a little bit of that that frantic do 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 you know that yep, same kind yep. of thing going on so some 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 cross pollination here with some of these songs but this riff in particular is is just a beast uh, i love when the whole band drops out and you mm-hmm. just have het there in the spotlight and he does yeah. his thing for you know 10 seconds and then here comes these you know you know you know these these crazy toms and you got some this i think some double bass going on in there yeah and uh yeah, and then toward the end of that, when when they take that riff and they drop it down to the you know the the lower octave, there's almost like some some like pitch harmonics going on in there where it's it's like they're just beating the shit out of this guitar so much that it's having trouble getting the notes out. Yeah. I don't know if you picked up on that, but it's like with a da 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 you know, and you really hear like he's just choking those strings. Yeah, 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 yeah. Choked is the word, definitely. And him singing over the top as well holds the pen and spells the end, and just his vocals as well. Like, okay, it's Saint Anger, it's a different era. We still get loads of oh 
ooh from James, you know, we, we yeah. still we still get that kind of like I don't know, that that kind of mighty campness that he's able to do, like, you know. Mm-hmm. Um I always think all within my hands as well, he has loads of great yes and sucker in my world. And you know, it, it's still all over this record. But yeah, that riff is is pretty breathtaking actually. And I know a lot of people, whatever, don't wade into Saint Anger and have no interest in it and probably haven't really encountered this song, probably got to the third minute of this track and just turn it off. But yeah, that really just is the crowning achievement on the song. Uh pushes forward, you know, we get a final chorus as well. And we don't get much else really and the song like you know if nine times out of ten on say anger metallica would go back into the intro slide riff to end it maybe with james mm-hmm. cooing over the top and then it ends it but it ends in a really i don't know almost like kind of a poppy way never as sweet as it seems done like and it's just, yeah. it's just banging out like you know an interesting decision right yeah yeah it's uh I think, you know, surrounded by all of these other seven, eight minute behemoths, this one really stands out where, you know, it, it, it's kind of done its thing. And with that last riff and, and, it, and that uh, the aggression of that whole section, it's like, uh, yeah, we've we've shot our best shot. Time to be done. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so and, and even then, though, they still, you know, manage to tweak the riff just enough so that it's not a rehash of, of something that they've done before in the song. Uh, they add a couple more, you know, bum, 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 you know, yeah. and it's, it's basic, but, yeah. um, for me, the, the lyrics in that particular, you know, hard riffing section, uh, she, she holds the pen that spells the end. That's one of my favorite lines in this whole album. Yeah. Um, I, I really like that. And I know that we, you know, we, we didn't touch on the, the lyrics a whole lot, but that, you know, there's, there's an openness to what he wrote on this album and some of it is is a bit you know mantra-esque like you like you said before and i think that's coming from how they sort of like pass the notepad around if you watch some kind of monster and and everybody's kind of contributing to the lyrics for the first time and kirk's dropping in all these buddhisms and stuff (laughs) you know but but this particular song i mean this is you could just tell like this is 100 percent james it's 100 percent of what he's going through and and how powerless he feels against alcohol and uh I mean, I think that the lyrics are really powerful here in this particular song, even if they take kind of a backseat to to some heavy guitar stuff. Yeah, and it's nice as well, the kind of triple entendre, you know, sweet amber. You just think of like a nectar in of itself and then a girl. And it's very much personified as that for wow. And amber being the color of beer as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. that, that kind of idea. Um, apparently, according to This Monster Lives, uh, the inside story of some kind of monster, uh, you know, that uh, the directors did. Uh, it was written in the spur of the moment after Metallica's label forced them to record commercials with their sponsors, um, which, you know, people... People remember that scene, the scratch your back so you won't stab mine. That's kind of where that mm-hmm. line comes from. And, you know, it's very whiteboardy, but but in, in, in a good way. Like some of the songs on this record, uh, like Purify, for example, are, um, you know, I'm a bit bemused ultimately uh, by the writing. Mm-hmm. But, but, but this I do really, really like. And um, as we always do, we reach out to you guys at Metallica Pod on the Twitter. What did you think of St. Anger? Uh, Tritton saying, one of my favourite Metallica songs, the relentless drums and the catchy guitars make it feel like load on steroids the bridge is clearly the highlight of the song for me i love how everything breaks loose around four minutes 30 definitely something system of a downward do 
Nick Makoviex is a very solid mm. number. Ralph says, love this song. It has become my favourite of Say Anger at the moment. I enjoy the bluesy bit at the beginning, which segues into a dirty, quite thrashy riff. It also helps that the snare isn't quite as jarring. Lyrically, at first glance, one would think the lyric deal with James' addiction issues, either with alcohol, beer in particular, or sex. But the words are more aimed at using others to get the things that you want, as advertised ed- evidence in the scene in the movie, Some Kind of Monster, in which James comes up with a wash your back so you won't stab mine. Lastly, I just wanted to say that I love the line, she holds the pen that spells the end as you said as well that whole verse is fantastic gary says probably the best track on the album one of the guys best tracks in general dante says it's rough and fixer says i find the main riff super catchy and the breakdown riff sounds like a throwback to the machine gun riff from one so i mean most people very very positive for this track jason and not surprising really no no i don't think so either it's it's um what you would consider a deep cut you know in that it, it doesn't get um any kind of, of live performance and uh, they didn't even play it at the, uh, at the 30th anniversary show where they played pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it, it may come out again at some point, but I, I feel like it's almost, you know, like, like it's one of those things, like they, they kind of wrote it for themselves, you know, and maybe they're okay with it just sort of hanging in the, in the periphery and, and being uh, off radar. You know, it's, it, I think the song was written to serve, a purpose, you know, to, like you said, and, and I think it also helped James get some of that, that stuff out that he wanted to get out. And, you know, it's, it, it doesn't offend me that they don't play it, but you know, I'm glad that it's available to me whenever I want to hear it. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it has been played, which I, I was surprised that really, I anticipated that it was going to be one of those ones on Metallica.com that has no number next to the name, but no, it's been played one time, September 4th, 2004 in Lubbock, Texas. And we're very lucky because this was back in the day when Metallica, you know, nowadays on the YouTube channel, it's very slick. They'll do the thank you European city no one's ever heard of video. And, you know, here's for whom the bell tolls live in Moscow professionally shot. And, you know, I love that stuff. Don't get me wrong. But back in the day when the Met Club, you know, and all that sort of stuff was more in full flow and all the concerts and all the MP3s, they would do these mini documentary things. And this is basically what becomes attached to the Sweet Amber debut footage. So it's like 12, 13 minutes of all backstage stuff. And I want to urge mm-hmm. people to go and watch it. Um, I know you've watched it before as well, prior to this episode. Uh, you know, we open with Lars, uh, I think he's being interviewed on the phone about some kind of monster. And he must be on some radio show or something. And he's talking about how weird it was for them to be filmed. And the artistry was them assembling all those clips into a certain narrative. But probably the coolest thing of the footage, Jason, is um, that night in Lubbock, Texas, which I couldn't actually find footage of this. I'm sure all the Met bootleggers out there will be able to send me some stuff. Uh, Sully from Godsmack, who, you know, I'm not too familiar with Godsmack, to be honest. But uh, I know that he's a ribbon guitar player, lead singer, was going to sing Sad But True with James. And they have like a nice couple of minutes, like discussing in the mechanics of the melody it's some candid stuff yeah yeah it's it's always interesting when you see you know songwriters kind of crafting their you know what they do and and whatnot and uh one of my favorite parts of that whole the whole thing there is when uh rob looks at the set list and he yeah. he realizes that he probably doesn't know a couple of the songs as well as he should so he's got three minutes or something before the show starts and he's back there just thumping away trying to you know, get himself warmed up. And Mm -hmm. I thought that was, that was a cool candid moment because at that point, I mean, Rob's still fairly new in the band, you know, he's, he's in his infancy here. He's not uh, battle worn and road tested yet with Metallica. So uh, he's still kind of very much auditioning in a way, you know, and totally, totally. Yeah. I just thought that was cool. It was, it was, it reminded me of another backstage thing where uh, 
they had to actually get like a CD player and listen to Jump in the Fire so yeah. that Mars could remember how to play it. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and uh, when they, um, when when James and Sully as well are just playing, you can hear James just ripping on the guitar and unplugged electric, and he plays like some Mama said and stuff like that. And there's a really nice part when Sully's reading the lyrics, and mm-hmm. you know, like 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 most people, like you sing a song for all of your life, and then you read lyrics, you realize you're singing it wrong your entire life. And he's like, oh my god. Um, uh, what is it? he says um you're the one who's it's you're the one who's blamed but he says oh i thought it was the one who's plagued and james is like oh plagues may be better actually like james, <laughs> james is, like, has a really good sense of humor about it it's really nice yeah yeah it's uh, that happens to me every once in a while guitar wise where you know i'll i'll finally dig into a tab and i'll think i've i've got it yeah i found out the other day i've been playing the uh the beginning of um Damage Incorporated wrong right. uh, the parts with the Donna Donna Donna. Mm-hmm. I was I was kind of playing like a cheater version of that and uh, tried to you know had to learn the the proper way and it's it's tough when you're like you have to unteach your hand after twenty years yeah. of, of yeah, playing yeah, something. Yeah. Yeah, muscle memory ain't no joke, for sure, for sure. It, it's totally not. Yeah, it's a, if I try to tell somebody how to play something instead of showing them, I, I forget how to play it. <laughs> it happens a lot. <laughs> and James just seems in a loose mood as well, because, you know, there's a moment when him and Sully are talking to, like, their, their sound guy or whatever, and the sound guy says, like, he has to get a general mix, and James, like, salutes, general mix! And it's just, you know, he, he's, he's breaking balls over here, and he's still talking to the fans yeah. as well. He signs the camera and whatever. But... The most important thing is, Jason, we get to see them playing this song live, Sweet Amber Live. And, um, you know, we only get the first couple of minutes or so, but they do a pretty good job. And the crowd react well when he plays that intro riff. I think so, yeah. I mean, uh, people responded well, and, and he's uh, kind of keeps that, that campiness going where he's like, yeah, are you, are you guys sure? Yeah. You know? <laughs> and I don't is he talking to the band? Is he talking to yeah. the crowd? Is he talking to everybody? Is he talking to himself? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so there, that's that's fun. I always enjoy, um, you know, kind of that that uh, self uh, deprecating yeah. version of of him. Um, yeah, and they and they you know play it pretty tight. There's a there's a part kind of early on where you hear the timing come undone a Definitely. little bit, but. Um, whenever that happens, they, they get like right back in lockstep pretty quick. It, it, if it does happen, it always happens in the beginning because whoever is in charge of starting the song tends to like start it faster than, than everybody else is ready to play. And then everyone else is like, Oh, okay. We're playing that fast. We got to yeah. catch up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and happens it, with, happens with puppets all the time. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. The timing is a slight mess, but then when the riff kicks in proper, it kind of tightens up again. James fluffs some of the lyrics. So he says like, watch, yeah. watch your back. So you won't stab mine. Get in bed with your own. And it's like, like he doesn't actually say anything. Like he just, like, it's like a riff tape basically on stage, but look, it's the only time they played it. It's really fucking cool that they did. And you know, yeah, again, I like the fact where he asked the crowd, like, you sure you want to hear this? That's great as well. And, um, I mean, that, that is, that is sweet Amber guys. And, uh, you know, let us know what you think down below at MetallicaPod, MetallicaPod at gmail.com. Um, Jason, any, any final thoughts on the track? No, no. I mean, as a whole, uh, you know, the, the album, as we talked about when we first started, I mean, it, it means something different to me now than it did. And I think that's a sign of a good album that it kind of ages with you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I ended up listening to the whole album, uh, as I was, you know, kind of preparing for the show and I didn't just pick out sweet Amber and, and there's, there's a lot of really good stuff on it. There's, there's a couple moments that are, you know, sort of reloadish and skippable or yeah, this, this section's like two minutes too long. Yeah. Um, but you know, for the most part, I, I think it's, it's a solid, uh, you know, a solid time capsule of who they were and where they were. And, 
um, I, I think there's a, a certain artistry to that and to making yourself vulnerable in that way. Totally. And you know, I'm going to anger a lot of people here. I prefer to say anger to hardwired. Okay. Okay. That that is an unpopular opinion, I appreciate. Well, you know, Hardwired to me um, has a bit more uh, of the filler type variety of stuff than St. Anger. I will definitely give you that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Production wise, I think is kind of the bugaboo for most people with with St. Anger. Um, But, you know, like you get into, uh, you know, like Murder One and Man Unkind. And, you know, they they have an appeal. And I get what they are and why they're there, but to me, they, they don't just—they don't speak to me yet. And maybe it's a situation where you know I, I need another ten years to digest it, like I did with Saint Anger. Maybe, 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 yeah. And uh, maybe I eat my words in ten years, and I'll just be like, "Yo, dude, after the fifteenth year, Am I Savage becomes a whole nother tune," you know. But, uh, but you know, what, perhaps, what, what, perhaps, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. But um, yeah, I guess finally, Jason, anything you'd like to promote? Anything like that? Uh, no, no. I mean, I'm just a normal dude. I, you know, work my nine to five kind of deal and play guitar when I can. And I actually just bought a, I finally acquired the, uh, the white Explorer uh, a couple months ago. Nice. So that's, yeah. So that's, that's, that's kind of been like the new thing. Uh, I, I don't have any excuses for not playing as well as him anymore. Cause I've got the same <laughs> guitar, you know, <laughs> I can't blame the gear. Uh, but no, I mean, I, I'm just normal guy. I don't, uh, I, I podcast when I'm invited to podcast and, mm-hmm. uh, and that's about it. All right. Well, um, this has been great and guys stay tuned cause we've got lots of good stuff coming up. We are now officially done with the S's. So we're onto the T's. So we've got, that was just your life. The thing that should not be form within through the never to live is to die today. Your love tomorrow, the world, the Ramones tune too late, too late, trapped under ice. Tuesday's gone. Turn the page. So that's basically the next month or so on the show. Then we get into the use, beginning with the Unforgiven Trilogy. So that's going to be a fun three episodes back to back. But uh, Jason, thanks again for your time. Absolutely. Thanks, Tom. Mm-hmm.